Hey, we are wrapping up our mini-series on uh, NSFW. Those of you that don't know what that means, don't feel bad. I had to have Jared explain it to me. Uh, it means not suitable for work. Don't, people don't normally send me those kinds of emails. I mean, I guess unfortunately, or maybe it's because of what I do, I'm not sure. Um, but it means not suitable for work. And so if you live and work in an environment where you've got an HR department looking over your shoulder, this is sort of a warning that says don't open this. Uh, because you're going to get a conversation with somebody about it later. Save this until you get home, because we know that you're as depraved as the rest of us. And, and really what this is getting at is what I would say is this double standard, this dual morality that we have in our world, where it's okay to do this here, but not okay to do this someplace else. And, and really what we call that in the church, we've got an old word for it, we call it hypocrisy. It's, it's hypocrisy when you have one standard for this place and another standard for someplace else. And so we've been looking at Psalm 101 through these last three weeks. Uh, we've looked at how, how can we live our best life, not a life that sort of gets by, not a life that says, I'm, I'm going to be one person here and another person someplace else, sort of this life that's got uh, dual personalities, but how can I live an integrated life, a life that's full of in integrity and that's whole? Uh, it starts with, with good, clear, singular desire, good, clear, singular vision. It has good, clear speech. And today we're going to look at how we sort of sustain that through good, life-giving relationships. Uh, and I'd like to read all of Psalm 101 this morning, sort of just kind of to wrap it all up together, and then I'm going to hit the few verses that we've not talked about in the last few weeks. So uh, why don't you stand? I know we don't do this often, but I'd love for you to stand for the reading of Scripture this morning. Psalm 101, I will sing of loyalty and of justice to you, O Lord, I will sing. I will study the way that is blameless, when shall I attain it? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is base. I hate the work of those who fall away, it shall not cling to me. Perverseness of heart shall be far from me, I will know nothing of evil. One who secretly slanders a neighbor I will destroy, a haughty look and an arrogant heart I will not tolerate. I will look with favor on the land, on the faithful in the land, so that they may live with me. Whoever walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall remain in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue in my presence. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all evildoers from the city of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Right here, David is at probably one of the high points of his life uh, as king of Israel, is making a commitment to himself, to God, and to the people that he's going to live his best life, a life of integrity. And we've looked at a lot of the verses in this text, and this, this morning I want to look at the few that remain, and, and two we haven't looked at is, is verse 3 and then verse 4, where David says this, he says, I hate the work of those who fall away, it shall not cling to me. Perverseness of heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. David here is talking about people that are influencing him, the people that he allows to sort of speak into his life throughout the week. And he's really making a very basic commitment right here. What he is saying is this. He's saying, I won't allow foolish or evil people to influence me. I'm not going to allow foolish or evil people to influence me. Now, I want to sort of look at a few of these verses and, and I came across uh, this, this types of people by Henry Cloud. Henry Cloud is a Christian psychologist. A lot of you maybe know some of his work. He's written a lot of really sharp, good stuff, helpful stuff. 
And he went through Scripture and just through his own experience as a psychologist, really said that, that in Scripture and in life, there's three kinds of people. There's three types of people, and, and everybody sort of falls into one of these categories. He said there's, there's first off the foolish person. Uh, who is the foolish person? I think David talks about the foolish person when he says, uh, I will not allow uh, the work of the one who falls away to cling to me. This is a person, the foolish person is a person who just can't finish anything they start. They start a hundred projects, they start a hundred different ideas, but they can never bring one to completion. Uh, these are the people who never learn from their mistakes. Uh, it's the person who, if they're driving down the road, you know somebody like this, who they're driving down the road and they hit a telephone pole. And in the accident report, they say, well, what happened? And they say, you know what? I was driving around, I was driving down the road, and then this telephone pole just ran out in front of me. And it was the telephone pole's fault. The telephone pole just sort of like ran out, and I hit it. You know, this is that kind of person. This is a person who's maybe had, you know, 10 different jobs in the last year, and every time they've been let go, it's never once been their fault. Never once been their fault. It's always been somebody else's fault. They've maybe had a series of relationships that, that never quite stick together, and it's never once been their fault. They've never, ever been wrong. Uh, they never learn from their mistakes. This is the foolish person, the person who just can't finish anything, who can't complete anything, who can't be done with anything. And David says this about this person. He says, I am not going to allow that to cling to me. I'm not going to allow that to cling to me. Hold on to that. I want to come back to that in a second. Second kind of person here, though, is this. As a person who has a perverse heart is what David's going to say. Uh, Henry Cloud says that there's another kind of person, and this person is the evil person. This person is not accident-prone. This person isn't a klutz. This person is out to hurt people. This person is out to take advantage of you. If they're in an interaction with you, they would just assume steal from you as make you a deal. This is that person the person who is just not satisfied to, to, to leave you alone until they've taken advantage of you and taken you for everything that you're worth. There are evil people in the world, and we know that, unfortunately. David says, I'm not going to allow that person, the person with a perverse heart, the person who's dishonest, immoral, evasive, we might say snake-like or sneaky. We're not going to let that person, uh, I'm going to cut them off. I'm not going to let them speak into my life. Uh, there's a third kind of person, and we see this in the text really because there's an author writing it. The third kind of person coincides with Cloud's definition of somebody who's a wise person. Somebody who is not perfect, who is, doesn't have everything right, but who's learning and growing. And I think that's the big difference. You know, a, a wise person makes mistakes. They make lots of mistakes. They might make big mistakes, but as Dan Ryland has said before, he says they only make the same mistake once. They don't ever make it twice because they're learning. They're learning who they are, and they're learning what works and what doesn't work. And so these are the three kinds of people that we will encounter in our lives, is, is the wise person, the foolish person, and the evil person. And the question is, who are we letting speak into us? If we're going to live our best life as Christians, who is it that we're going to let speak into us? Now, obviously, on a Sunday morning, hopefully we're in a Sunday school class. Hopefully we're having good conversations with wise people who are encouraging us in our faith life. <clears throat> but when you leave here, who's speaking into you? Who is speaking into your life when you go from this place? If you're surrounded by people that will discourage your faith and tear down your faith and all of these things throughout the week, if you don't have somebody else throughout the week speaking into your life, encouraging you, you're not going to grow very much in your faith. This is why Cloud will say this. He will say, we should spend 80% of our time with the wise, 20% of our time with the fools, 
and no time with the evil. With those that are out to hurt us, we should spend no time with those people. We should not allow them to practice evil on us until they get it right. And the fool, yes, we might be able to help them, but we need to be letting people speak into us who are wise. This is what Proverbs 13, 20 says this. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. I think this is what David was getting at. He's saying, listen, I don't want to walk with the fools. I don't want to allow that to cling to me. The word there is literally be glued to me. I'll help you. Yes, I'll, I'll be there to encourage you. Yes, I'll be there to support you. But I'm not going to let your excuses stick to me. Now, I know some of you this morning, you're going, that doesn't sound real Christian. That doesn't sound real kind. That doesn't sound real like, like this is not real Jesus-like. What, how do we make sense of all this? Well, let me maybe give you an example, I think, from your life. And I suspect, as I tell you my story, you've probably had a story similar to that. Um, so I remember this guy, uh, was a student in our, our church out in California. He was a young guy. He'd come from a difficult home life, and he needed to talk. And so he would call me up periodically, and, and we would get together, and we would have conversations, and we would talk, and I'd take him out to lunch, and, and I'd ask him about how his life was going and what was going on in his life, and he would tell me, and he would say, you know, this is what's going on, and this is what's happening, and, and this is what I'm about to do. And I would often ask him questions. I would say, well, what about this? Have you thought about that? Does this seem like a good decision to you? And, and he'd think about it and say, no, that's probably not the best. And so then he'd say, well, what do you think? And I'd, I'd give him my thoughts, and we'd talk about this. And, and this could go on for hours. This could go on for two hours quick in, in a hurry. And, and he'd leave, and I always remember, he'd, he'd, he'd have a smile on his face, and he would say, oh, man, I'm so glad we had this talk because now I see it so clearly. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go make this happen. Thanks for, thanks for lunch. Thanks for the time. And he'd go. And as he was leaving, it was like you could hear the toilet of his brain flushing. Just the whoosh, and it was gone. Because he would leave, and an hour later, the things we had just talked about, he was, he was doing exactly the opposite of what we had just talked about. And he would get himself into a little bit of trouble, and this would go on. And he'd call me about a week later, or I'd call him, and I'd say, hey, I'm just checking in on you. How are things going? And he'd start to tell me what was going on, and we'd get together, and we'd have the exact same conversation one more time. And this went on for months. I mean, I probably had, like, I could have probably recorded our conversation and just said, you know, hit play and listen to this when, when you're confused <clears throat> because we've already had this talk. We moved. I lost touch with him. He called me later. Uh, he'd moved to Kentucky as well. And we, we got in touch just a little bit. And then he called me from jail because that's where he'd ended up. Now, this guy, I hate to say it, if we're going to go with cloud standards or types of people, he's a fool. I mean, he's just not learning from his mistakes. And so I'm there for him. I'll take his phone call. I'll encourage him. I will support him. But I'm not going to seek life advice from him. I'm not going to let him pour into me. I might pour into him, but I'm not going to say, hey, what do you think I should do with my life? Here's what I believe. I know some of you may disagree with me. I've, I've heard this touted. I'm sure you have too. It's been said that we are the sum, <clears throat> the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. We're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So who is it that you're letting pour into your life? David has made some pretty strong statements. He's saying, listen, I want to live my best life for God. And so I'm going to have to have some people pouring into me 
that bring wisdom. Because, I mean, what are you going to have to give to other people if you don't have somebody pouring into you? So David's going to make those commitments. He's saying, I'm going to walk with the wise. I'm not going to allow evil people in my life that are going to hurt me, people that are just bent on destroying me. Uh, And I'm going to give limited access to what we might say fools. Uh, But then David's going to call out another specific type of evil here. 101 verse 7 says this. He says, No one who practices deceit shall remain in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue in my presence. David is going to call out one particular evil here. He's saying, I am not going to listen to liars. Let's just say that together. I won't listen to liars. Let's say that together. It should be good affirmation. I won't listen to liars. Some of you thought this was for the person sitting next to you. It's for everybody. Really, this is good. This is a good affirmation. Let's say it one more time. Here we go. I won't listen to liars. If you struggle with this, and you've got a problem with this, maybe you work with a liar, or you know somebody that is a liar, and you listen to them too much, why don't we say it one more time, just in case. I won't listen to liars. Perfectly. This is a great truth that we could all embrace. Because here's the thing. Lies are super divisive, right? People that lie, and and we know who we're talking about, people that make a habit of lying, what do they do? They shade the truth so that way they always come out in the best light, you know, you know. They present the truth. They present the truth in the right way. If there's some facts in the truth that don't sort of corroborate their story, those facts get omitted and other facts get highlighted. If, if the story, the truth, like the real truth, really is in conflict with who they are and who they want to be, they will discard reality. And as my favorite Miss Buster show says, they will substitute their own. They will refute their reality and substitute their own reality. They'll just make up their reality. And that's how it is. And you listen to it long enough and you start to believe it. And lies are super divisive. Um, And the problem with lies is is they sort of, it's like a seed. It gets in your mind, it starts to grow. I mean, how many times have you been told to lie about somebody and you hear it and then you meet that person and in your mind you're going, I don't think that's true, but I know this fact about you and I wonder, is it true? And it's not until it's refuted that we can have maybe a better relationship. David says, I'm going to have no place for lying. Because the problem with lies is when they spread, and if they've got a little bit of a kernel of truth in them, you just get a frenzy that happens. And when we're presented with the truth, often we don't want it because we like the lie even better. Lies are divisive. This is why it's important that we don't be people uh, that spread lies. That we don't listen to lies, that we don't allow gossip or spread gossip. And if you haven't figured this truth out already, you, you will, that people that gossip with you or lie with you will gossip and lie about you. Now, the implications of this are super practical. I mean, let's say you're in business. Maybe you own a business. Maybe you're a manager of a store or something, and you've got somebody that works in your company that's a liar, and they lie to the people that do business with you. Well, let me just ask you this question. Maybe we come at it a different way. Have you ever met somebody who got lied to at a company or business? What what do they tell you? They say that company lies to people. Not that there was one individual at this store that's normally super honest and full of integrity, but there was one individual who was misguided that lied to me. That's not how the story goes. The story goes, this company is deceptive. These people are deceptive. They're out to take advantage of you. This whole business is full of liars. 
And that may not be true, but their one encounter with that one person told them that this was a deceptive organization. And so it also works that way on a personal level. You know, there's people that just make a habit of gossip and spreading lies about people. We, we know who those people are. You can find them at the soccer complex. You can find them at the baseball diamond. There's about three or four. Often it's women. I mean, there's men included sometimes. But they get together in one corner of a bleacher, and they've got their heads together, and they're talking just loud enough to barely not be heard. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can tell by the conversation and the tone and the, the speed, the, the speed gets faster, the chatter increases, and you know they are feasting on somebody's reputation. And I don't know about you, but whenever I meet somebody who comes out of that circle, I have one of those dashboard warning lights that comes up on the, the, the view of my mind that says, warning, this is a dangerous person. And David says this is true. I'm not going to allow that to happen in my life. So instead of allowing the wicked to run amok and the liars to tell lies, David is saying, I, I want to affirm something different. He says this in Psalm 101, verse 6. He says, I will look with favor <clears throat> on the faithful in the land so that they may live with me. Whoever walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. And so I want us to have this affirmation, this positive affirmation. I will encourage faithful people and promote goodness. If we're real honest with each other, and we're real transparent, and we should be, we're in church, right? Uh, inside of each of us, well, how about I just start with me? Inside of me, I have all of those kinds of people. I have wise, I have foolish, and I have evil. Just the same as all of you. You have wise, and you have foolish, and you have evil, and the question is, which of those people are you going to allow to grow? We know some people that make a habit out of growing evil out of their life, and it's just who they are. We know some people that make a habit out of doing absolutely nothing with their life, and we call that, that person the, the, the fool. And then there's other people we know that say, you know what, I'm going to try to be a little bit better today than I was yesterday. I'm going to try to walk a little bit closer with Jesus today than I did yesterday. I'm going to try to be a little more consistent with my life today than I was yesterday. I made my mistakes, but I see where I went wrong, and I'm going to try to make some changes. That's the wise person, and that's who I want to be. And I suspect that you're here this morning because you want to, to be that as well. And so if we're going to be that way, we're going to have to work to promote goodness because it's hard. It's hard to promote goodness. Now, some of you might be going, well, why is it so hard? Well, let me just, again, let's try to look at this super practically in our lives and think about this. I knew a guy uh, by the name of Gary. He owned a mattress shop. Actually, his dad owned a mattress shop. And I was talking to him about his business. He had a cool store in an old part of California. And I said, what kind of business do you get in and out of your store? And, and he started telling me about running the shop. They'd been there for generations. And they had some families that had come several times. And they actually had some like third generation customers come and buy mattresses from them. And, and he said, you know, the one thing my dad always does that, that makes me really frustrated is there's this, you know, two or three families that are super difficult to work with. They're, they're always rude. They're always just uh, obnoxious. They're, they, they're, just, they're always, whatever we do for them is never good enough. And he always gives them the best deal. He always gives them the best price. He does whatever it takes just to sort of make them happy and get them out the door. He says, but then we've got other customers who've been coming to us for a long time, longer, who are better customers, and he doesn't ever do anything for them. He says, and I just don't quite get why we do this for them and not for the other. And I'll tell you exactly why. It's because we often default to the path of least resistance, isn't it? 
It's, it's the, the, the evil person. It's the foolish person that's constantly coming to you saying, give me more of your time. Give me more of this. Or I want you to do it this way. Or listen, if you don't do it this way, maybe they're your boss. If you don't do it this way, then, then there's going to be problems in your work. Or, or maybe, you know, I, I don't know where you run into these people. Maybe it's a friend, you know, and if you don't do it my way, we can't associate with each other anymore. And it's the, it's the, it's the evil person. It's, it's the foolish person that is constantly after you, pressuring you for more time and to do things that you don't want to do. But the wise person isn't that way. The wise person is often content with who they are and where they're at. And they're often not clamoring after you saying, give me more time or do things my way. But they're there if you want to have an interaction with them. And so how is it that we can be people that walk with the wise throughout the week and so live out our best, best faith life? Well, I would say this super practically is this, is you're going to have to prioritize the wise. You've got to prioritize time with the wise. You know, I, I was convicted that I needed to have better interaction with folks, with, with other ministers in the town, actually, that could help encourage me in my own faith walk, people that had traveled the road longer than me. But I, I realized that after we got together a time or two, it just wouldn't happen unless I made it happen. And so I, I emailed and called some people that I knew that I admired that had walked a little beyond me, and I said, hey, listen, could we just commit to meeting once a month? We'll take turns picking a book, and we'll get together, and we'll just meet. And so we've done this now for over a year, and it's been fantastic. We get together, sometimes we talk about the book, sometimes the book's great, sometimes it's terrible, and we wonder who picked it, and, and you know, but we just take about an hour a month, hour and a half a month, and we just sort of check in with each other. But if I don't put that together and I don't put that schedule together, it doesn't happen because that's just often how it is. If we want to walk with the wise, we're going to have to prioritize that. And so for you, if you're thinking, man, there's people in my office that I would just like to get to know. There's people in my office that could really encourage me. There's, and you know who it is. It's that person who, after you have that conversation with them, you feel full of life and you feel full of wisdom and you feel encouraged in who you are. Those are the people that you need to make connections with. Now, I meet with another group of guys, too. They don't have as much life experience as I do, but they're still wise people. They're growing, they're learning from their mistakes, and I have a chance to pour into them. And I love that time, and it's fantastic. And I guess what I want to point out here is not everybody that we walk with that's wise is smarter than us, is better than us in certain areas, or is even more spiritual than us. I mean, I, I set aside time to, to have lunch and to get connected with folks that don't believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Because I want to have that dialogue. These are people that want to learn, and I learn about myself in conversation with them. But none of that would happen if I didn't start it, if I didn't initiate it. The point is this, is that we, if we're going to live our best life, we've got to have godly influences throughout the week, not just on Sunday morning encouraging us to be the same person on Thursday as we are right now, strengthening us to live as witnesses for the people in our lives that need to know Jesus. And so this morning, I'd love to just have a real practical moment of application. I, I, I suspect you probably know one wise person. Let me just, let's just try this. Do you know one wise person? Raise your hand if you know one wise person. Some of you need to make some different friends. Okay. All right, yes, you can put your hands down. All right, if you know one wise person, when did you have, how many of you have gotten together with one wise person in the, let's say, the last month intentionally? Less hands. How many of you the last two weeks? Okay, even less. 
Here's what I would love to do. This is a serious challenge. I'd love for you, if you've not gotten together, you're not getting together with somebody regularly, why don't you get out your smartphone-enabled device? Seriously, get it out. I'll give you permission to get your phone out. Kids should be all over this right now. You mean I can really get my phone out? Yeah, really. And load up your text messaging device, your application. If you don't know what I'm doing, don't worry about it. You can do this another way. And I want you to send a text to this person. I want you to say, hey, can we get together this week? That's it. That's, all, that's, your, that's your homework assignment. Just give it a shot. If you're not into text messaging or you're not sure what I'm doing with a small TV in my hand, that's okay. Don't worry. It's, it's harmless. Uh, you can pick up a phone. You can send a, uh, a letter in the mail, or you can go to somebody's house um, and say, hey, it's been a long time since we got together. But make a point to make a connection, because we're not going to live our best life. We're not going to live lives that are suitable for worship all the time unless we have a support network encouraging us to do that. So that's your challenge. Let's do that this week. Let me pray for you. Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for this morning and for your word that is so practical. David is just reminding us that we cannot live as faithful people alone. Lord, we can't tell the good news about Jesus to ourselves. We can't learn more about Jesus just in total isolation. No, 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 Lord. You've put us here on earth together for a reason. You want us to be together. You want us to encourage each other. That's part of our mission is to encourage each other. And so, Lord, I pray that this week we would do that, that you would help us to be an encouragement to each other as we, tr- we want to be wise people, walking as wise people. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, right now, we're going to sing a song of decision. Um, and we do this every week because we know that God is at work all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And perhaps this morning you came here and on your heart you've got a decision you need to make, whether it's to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior become a member of Bowling Green Christian Church um, and just really make a commitment to serving and worshiping with us here. Uh, If those are decisions you have to make, I'd love for you to come forward. If not, I give you permission to finish that text and to hit send and to prepare our hearts and minds as we start to think about coming together uh, for communion. Why don't you stand as we sing?